0: We're in a brand new series. Um, we're looking at the Beatitudes, the Blessed are statements of Jesus, the promises of God. Um, if you want to, um, yes, raise your hand if you want a Bible. If you want to kind of get into the Beatitudes a little bit more in story form, where we read the scripture itself and then, you know, someone who writes a story about it, our own Dana Buck, who we've, uh, who's our drummer here at the church, but also, um, the guy who cheats during games, like he did earlier, and uh, him and him and Jan over there, <laughs> yeah. So he's written a bunch of uh, uh, so powerful parables, and he's actually when he shares, he'll, a lot of times he'll read them up here in front of us. They're amazing. Uh, he just finished uh, all eight of the Beatitudes, and so you can grab one of these or right outside the door here. And um, if you want to kind of study the Beatitudes in story form, it's really fun. And a lot of, a lot of people in the church, he's asked to do voices uh, in them. And so uh, it's really fun and interesting to be able to do that. So the Beatitudes is Jesus' first large public address to the children of Israel, God's people. He's been serving and doing things a little bit behind the scenes. He's called four of his disciples at this point he was baptized. Jesus was baptized. So if Jesus was baptized, shouldn't we be baptized? And so we're celebrating new life on Easter Sunday this year. Some of the Teen Challenge guys are being baptized. A few of our own. Um, right now, a couple of students, younger ones, are being baptized. If you've never been baptized before, we invite you to do that. Um, set your pride aside. And just say, I'm going to be obedient to Jesus. I've never been baptized. I need to do this. Um, there's just a powerful thing that happens when we, we say yes to, to him. And there's a powerful thing that w- when we are obedient to him. And so, I invite you. So Jesus is baptized by his own cousin, John. And then immediately he goes to the desert for 40 days. And he fasts and battles for us. I don't know if you've ever thought about when Jesus went to the desert and was, t- it's a, you know, when he was tempted by Satan himself. I don't know if you've ever thought about it as he was battling for you. Because if he would have given in at that point, our hope was gone. So during that time, Jesus was battling for you and for me. And he was standing up to the enemy and says, I'm going to do this. Because this is what God wants me to do. And what I love about if you read through the temptation of Jesus is he used the word of God. And so when you are struggling, when the lies are coming at you nonstop, how do we battle that? We battle it with truth. And I want to encourage you, battle the things that are coming your way with truth right out of the word of God. Amen? Matthew chapter 5. We're going to read all the Beatitudes this morning, verses 3 through verse 12. We're just going to read them as we're studying the Beatitudes. We're going to read them all every week so we really get to know them. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart. One of my life verses. For they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice. And be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And this morning our focus is verse 4 Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And as we look at the scripture here, what I love about what Jesus comes out with his first public address to a massive crowd. I mean, a huge crowd, thousands. And as you study the scriptures, and I mentioned this last week, but I'll say it again, the last word in the Old Testament, the last word from the prophet of God to the children of Israel, in most translations, was curse. Or it can be translated destruction. And then there's like this 400 years of silence from God. I can't imagine. Can, can you imagine? 400 years of silence and then Jesus shows up and his first public address to his people is blessed are. Blessed. And that word can also be, be translated happy. And when we see this passage blessed are, it's not a past tense blessing. Blessed were. It's not a Future tense blessing, blessed will they be, but it is a now today blessing right now. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And when we turn to Him, He is with us in our right now and He's with us in our forever. As you read this passage, The one we focused on last week was blessed are those who are poor in spirit for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who recognize their need for God. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven is what I should have said. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Eternity is theirs for those those of us that have said, God, I recognize that I need you. I recognize that I can't live my life without you. And then Jesus goes on to, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And there's two big trains of thought here in this passage. And I, I'm just, I'll tell you where I'm going to land here in a moment. Here's the two different trains of thought. Blessed are those who mourn. That's pretty obvious to us. Our world is full of sadness and brokenness. Watched a really sad movie last night. We didn't know it was going to be sad, but it was sad. Um, our world is full of brokenness. And when we come to him in our brokenness, and because we see and experience brokenness, he comforts us. Many scholars believe that Jesus is talking about when we come to God and we mourn for our, our own personal brokenness, and not just like my, my knee hurts, But when we recognize the holiness and who God really is and we experience the awe and wonder of who He is, there's this sense of feeling very small in His presence because of our sin. So there's scholars that are on both sides of that and this is where I fall. And I fall this way a lot. I fall right in the middle. Because I don't believe that we can put God in a box and if you are mourning today, because of a relational sadness and it's horizontal like I've lost somebody or I've experienced something that brings me sadness if I run to Jesus what is he going to do? He's going to comfort me but also if I, I recognize that God without you when I try to stand before you in my own abilities I can't and so I recognize my need for him poor in spirit, and I mourn the fact that there's nothing I can do. And God, I need you. God, I need you. Would you forgive me of my sin? Would you forgive me of the things that I think? Would you forgive me of my uh, disobedience, my rebellion towards you? And what does Jesus say? For those of us that come to him in what we would say the churchy word, repentance, we will be comforted. He will comfort us. Jesus invites us to come to him. You know, when the children would come to him, children weren't allowed to come to rabbis when they were sitting down to teach. But when Jesus sat down and the children came, what did the disciples try to do? They tried to shoo the kids away. Like, get out of here. What are you doing? And what did Jesus say? Let the children come. Because unless you come to me like them... In a faith and a purity, like a child, you can't come to me then. Jesus invites us to come. Hebrews, whoever wrote the book of Hebrews, we don't know, says, Therefore, since we have this great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest, Jesus who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he did not sin. I mean, just that alone is amazing to us. That Jesus was tempted and experienced everything that we experience, and even more times whatever you want to put number, a number on. And yet he didn't fail. He didn't give up. He didn't give in. And because of what he's done for us, the writer says in verse 16, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. When we come to him in our brokenness, whatever relational sadness we're experiencing, horizontal or vertical We experience his mercy, and we experience his grace. When do we experience those? In our time of need, in the right now, in that moment, in the moment that it doesn't even make sense that I can have peace right now. I think many of us in this room have experienced things in our life where it doesn't make sense to have peace right now. But I do. Why? It's because of God. Because when we're going through those things and we run to him, he says, I will give you a peace that the world doesn't understand it. But you can understand it because it's me. It's me in your life. His invitation is for us to come to him. And when we do, we will experience grace. We will experience mercy. We will experience comfort. He really does know what we're going through. He really does know us. There's a few times in Scripture where it's reported that Jesus wept. John 11.35, which was the trivia question this morning. Just remember that, John 11.35, shortest book in the Bible, or shortest verse in the Bible. I keep doing that, shortest verse in the Bible, John 11.35. Why did Jesus weep? Why did he weep in that moment? Was it a vertical sadness? Obviously, we know, yes, you are correct, ding, you are correct. Jesus didn't have a vertical sadness issue. Him and his father were one. They were perfectly fine. But Jesus did experience relational sadness this way. Some of his best friends, Jesus had best friends, which is kind of cool, was Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus. There's whole stories about and there's, Sermons that have been preached. Mary's the one who actually fell at Jesus's feet and washed his feet with her, with her hair, and did the perfume thing, and it freaked people out. And it's also Mary and Martha's story where Jesus comes to visit, and Martha's like running around the hostess of the most with the mostest, and Mary's just chilling at Jesus' feet, and Martha gets all upset, and they're t- t- talking about it, and they're trying to figure out. And Jesus says, she, Mary really has chosen the better. We can just eat crackers, but the Son of God is in your presence. You should sit at his feet and listen. It's not just about the food, except for tonight with dessert. It's all about the dessert. Okay. And So Lazarus is sick, and Jesus is off in another town. Remember, anybody been to Israel? I have not. Yes? Oh, I'd love to sit down and talk with you about that. We have some friends that just came back. This is like their fourth or fifth trip, and um, they say one of the things that you recognize when you're over there is it's way smaller than you, than you expect, because everything's like close. Like when we say, hey, we're going to go to the next town, um, you know, we have to get in our car, it's five miles away, ten miles away, whatever. Here, you're just like, I'm in Gilead right now. Oh, now I'm in Capernaum, and you know, not quite like that, but it's, it's tight and close, So Jesus is in another town, and he receives word that one of his really good friends, Lazarus, is sick. And Jesus' response was, "Ah, he'll be okay. What's going to happen is for God's glory. And Jesus chooses to stick around for two more days. In the meantime, Lazarus dies. And at that point, Jesus gets up. And he says, okay, now I'm going to go. And he goes. And from a distance away, the sisters see him. That's a long story, but I'm just trying to make it quick. And this is in John chapter 11. You can read it. And the sisters come one at a time, and they say, Jesus, if you would have been here. In fact, they say, why weren't you here? We're like your friends. Why weren't you here? And what I get about that is when I, when I read that, I think it's okay for us to ask God hard questions in the midst of the crazy stuff that we experience for us to say, God, why weren't you here? And Jesus' response, you know, I've always been here. And it's for God's glory is why I've come now. And then the end of the story is Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, but before that, He sees the compassion and the the loss and the grieving that they're experiencing. But he also, as fully human, yes, Jesus fully God, but yet fully human. And on the human side of life for Jesus, he experienced grief. And he experienced this loss. Now, I believe that Jesus weeps for a couple reasons. I think there's an empathy reason. But I also think there's a reason why, man, if I bring Lazarus back, he's in heaven right now. I'm going to bring him back, and then he's going to have to someday die again. And so, I think there's a little, honestly, I think there's a little, when Jesus wept for them, I think he wept with them, but I also think he wept over the situation. Like, yeah, I'm going to bring him back, but I'm bringing him back from glory. And he'll have to he'll have to die again someday. There's another time Jesus weeps, and it's right after one of the like mountaintop experiences for Jesus, is when he comes into Jerusalem. They you know he's on the he's on the on the donkey and they, they're laying out palm branches. That's coming up, by the way. And they're putting out, they're taking off their jackets and putting it down, and they are praising him. And saying that he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Because they think he's coming into, like, hey, now now it's time. Rome's going down. And he gets into Jerusalem, and he looks over Jerusalem. And what does the Bible say? The Bible says he weeps for them. And why is Jesus weeping for a group of people that just praised him? He's weeping because they don't recognize who he really is. And why he came. And again, I think when Jesus wept is multifaceted. I, I think there's a few things. He's weeping because they don't recognize who he is, they don't recognize why he came. But I also believe that Jesus knows our future. And in just decades, Jerusalem will be leveled. In fact, not a stone upon a stone, it will be leveled. I believe that Jesus sees into the future, and because Jerusalem didn't, didn't repent, didn't recognize who he was, judgment was coming. Jesus experienced the things that we experience relational sadness, horizontally, but also vertically as well for us. And I think we can relate. Been with people who are experiencing grief, they've experienced loss, and so we grieve with them. Maybe for ourselves, we've experienced loss, and so we grieve. Maybe you've seen a situation or been, been an observer of a situation, and it just saddens you. I was in a situation this week. Heather and I stopped by to get a quick burger at a place in downtown Seattle because we had to get back here for a meeting, and we're like, wow, there's no way we're going to make it to Renton. Um, and so we were standing in a restaurant, um, they don't take cash at this place. It was credit card only. And we walked in, and there's a man uh, whose name is Gary who was standing there and um, obviously homeless. You could observe that he was homeless in many different ways, if you know what I mean. And he was trying to order something at the counter, but he was not speaking very good English. He's tall white guy. But he could not really speak English, even though he's from the United States. It wasn't like he was speaking a foreign, foreign language. It was gibberish, if that's if that's even a word. And once in a while, a word would come out. But he, this guy was so polite. The guy behind the counter—I mean, it's Seattle. They experience homelessness all the time, right? It's an inconvenience. It's it's a bother. It's uncomfortable. And so, but when someone would come in, Gary would politely walk over and stand by the wall. And he would put his hands just like this. But you could tell he wanted to order something. So, I don't know. I just, I'll say this. I think God is working in my heart. Because in the past, for me, it would have been an inconvenience. It would have been just uncomfortable. But for some reason, his situation brought relational sadness to me. And I just got, like, sad over his situation. I mean, it's a big guy. He's wearing a shirt inside out and backwards, you know? Probably because as a guy, hey, it's dirty. I'll just turn it inside out. Now it's really dirty. I'll just, it I'll just turn it around the other way. I don't know. And so I just walked over to him and I said, hey, what do you, what do you need? What do you want? You know what he wanted? He wanted a vanilla shake. And I said, well, they don't take cash here. They only take cards. And he pulls out a Starbucks card. He's like digging through his jacket. He finds an old Starbucks card. I don't even know if it's any good. And he goes, like this? I said, no, they, it's like a Visa card or MasterCard. And He just looked really confused. And so um, he, got his, he got a vanilla shake. And once he got it, he looked at us with the brightest eyes. And said, would you come and sit and talk? And I was like, I'm so sorry. We have a meeting at 5 o'clock in Renton in like 40 minutes. I'm not going to say who it is. It's not your fault. <laughs> so we didn't sit there and talk with him. But we talked to him while we waited for our food. Um, and he's peeling the straw, taking the paper off the straw. And he made this perfect little pile on the corner. And he was like, Again, the way he speaks, it was tough to understand. But what he was saying is, I'm making it easy for the servers when they come. They can just sweep it off into the garbage can. You know, I was just like, man. So that's Gary. And I experienced some personal relational sadness because I looked at his situation like, God, is there any help for him? I mean, he's living on the streets, I'm sure. Um, Is there any help for him? Just this the sadness that kind of came over me. And Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And so for me personally, like I was mourning for Gary, and I was asking God, would you comfort him? Gary wasn't mourning. He was, when we, he got that shake and wanted to sit down and talk, he was lit up. God, please do something. It's a state of mourning where we recognize that only God can do something. Only God can make that situation better. And as if we read through the Psalms, the Psalms are full of writers who are being really honest with God. In fact, there's a website, jesuswalk.com, and it says many of the Psalms are laments that come out of times of great distress and trouble. They are unashamed cries for help, unashamed cries for salvation. They are unashamed cries for rescue. And I was going to say, in fact, I wrote it down. I was going to say, now, just just read the Psalms this week and you'll figure it out. But I got to just read part of one of them to you. So turn to Psalm 51 this morning. The writer of Psalm 51 is King David who had just really messed up. Don't have time to really go into his story this morning, but he really messed up. Adultery, lying, murder, and then God sends him a gift of a prophet and says, tells him this incredible story, relational sadness story, and he gets all upset over it, and then that gift, the prophet says, you're the bad guy. And after hearing that, David, because he has a heart after God, he repents. And this is, his, this is how he communicates with God. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. That's a nice way to say, blot out my sin. Wash away all my iniquity. another nice way to say sin. And cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me against you. And you only have I sinned. What is, what, are, what is our verse this morning? Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. David is mourning here. He's recognizing that he's really messed up. So you are right in your verdict. And justified when you judge Surely I have sinned from birth. And he goes into this whole, and he's David, he just, he goes into this whole thing. And then we pick it up in verse seven. Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Remember, we're reading this because we're blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And he's mourning over his sin and his brokenness. And his heart cry is, God, create in me a pure heart and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. I encourage you to read the rest this week. So good. He goes on to say, God, you don't don't take pleasure in me messing up and sinning and then I just throw out a few offerings to appease you. That doesn't do it. My offering to you is a broken and a contrite. Heart. My offering to you, God, is coming before you and being honest and mourning the fact that I can't do this on my own. And what Jesus says in Matthew chapter five, verse four, is those of us that come to Him with that heart, with that motive, we will be comforted in that time. It's his promise. And God's promises are eternal. This is a present tense promise. Now, it was true for those of us that lived yesterday, which is everybody in this room. It'll be true for those of us that will be here tomorrow, which I hope that's everybody in this room. But it's really true for us right now. Blessed are. It's a right now promise. For those of us that mourn, we will be comforted. So can you stand with me this morning? Maybe some of us have experienced relational sadness. Maybe it's horizontal. Maybe for some of us, our relationship with Jesus is a struggle right now. And I just want to pray that same prayer that David prayed. God created me a clean heart, a pure heart. God, restore to me, to us, the joy of your salvation. Lord, that really is our prayer today that there would be joy in the house, because you comfort those who come to you in honesty and who are real with you and who mourn their brokenness and even the brokenness around them. And we come to you and say, God, would you please do something? Lord, I lift up Gary to you right now. I don't know what's going on in his life. I don't know where he's at. I just know from the outside, looking in at his life, It seems hopeless. It seems joyless. God, I pray that he would be found by you. God, I pray that you would bring rescue to him. And God, not just him, but to the thousands like him, to the thousands like us. I thank you for your promises, God. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for we have eternity now with you. Blessed are those who mourn, for in our right now we are comforted. And Lord, I pray for the comfort that only comes from our Heavenly Father, You. Right now, for those in this room, those who are watching from home, that You would comfort us in our time of need. And Lord, in that moment that we would recognize and acknowledge it's You that we receive this from. And God, we don't worship comfort. We don't worship Anything else but you. So would you restore the joy of your salvation in the hearts of your people, God? That is our prayer, God. Restore the joy of your salvation, <laughs> create in us a clean heart. In Jesus' name. Amen. Just want you to know that the altar is always open for you. Um, before, or after service, we have people that would love to pray, and so um, please come, be even before you run home today, um, to get dessert ready for, to come back tonight. Um, but please come, and so we can pray for you, and uh, just just know that He's with you. Amen. Okay. Blessings to you.